Let me read through these words of the song that Randy just sang again and, and pay attention to the, the message and try to figure out whoever it is that wrote this song, what they're trying to say, okay? Um, it goes like this. When life leaves you high and dry, I'll be at your door tonight if you need help, if you need help. I'll shut down the city lights. I'll lie, cheat, I'll beg, I'll bribe to make you well, to make you well. When enemies are at your door, I'll carry you away from war if you need help, if you need help. Your hope dangling by a string, I'll share in your suffering to make you well, to make you well. Give me reasons to believe that you would do the same for me and I would do it for you. Baby, I'm not moving on. When you fall like a statue, I'm gonna be there to catch you, put you on your feet. And if your well is empty, not a thing will prevent me. Tell me what you need. You've always done the same for me, so I would do it for you. And I love this part. You're my backbone. You're my cornerstone. You're my crutch when my legs stop moving. You're my head start. You're my rugged heart. You're the pulse that I've always needed. Like a drum, my heart never stops beating for you. And long after you go, I'll love you long after you're gone, gone, gone. And here's, here's my question. It's not a trick question or a hard question. What do you think that that song is trying to describe? Love. I think it's not a trick question. It's like, oh, good. I thought it was love too. Good. All right. Yeah. It, it, love. I, I think so. I think that that song is all about what one person is willing to do for a person that they love a lot. That, and that person is going through something really, 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 really hard. And what this person is willing to do for this person that they love that's going through something really, really hard is this. Whatever it takes. Right? Anything. I'll do, I'll, do, I'll do everything it takes. And here's why. So that this person that I love has a chance to get what they need. And here's why I want them to get what they need. So they have a chance so they can be well. Right? That's what that song's about. Now, I want you to hold on to those lyrics, okay? Or, or more importantly, that, that, that idea or that concept. Because that's exactly what I want to try to unpack today. That, that question. The question goes like this. What would a person be willing to do so that someone that they love could get what they need so they, they could be well? I'm going to look at that like five different ways today, all right, right? What would a person be willing to do so that someone that they love could get what they need so that they could be well, so they could be okay? Now, kind of hold on to that. Over the, over the last three or four weeks in here, we have been looking at Jesus coming into contact with some people who had some pretty major, big, really hard problems, Right? Like three weeks ago, we looked at a man who, whose son was, was so sick he was about to die. And he came to Jesus and, and he begged him for help. We looked at him uh, two weeks ago. We looked at a, a man whose life was controlled by, by these evil forces beyond his control. He couldn't break free from him. And then last week, Scott showed us a, a man that had been labeled as unclean. Remember this? Condemned to, to live an isolated, lonely, horrible life in a body that literally was rotting off, off the bone. He had leprosy, right? And every time that they came to Jesus or Jesus found them, Jesus fixes them. He fixes their obvious, like, seen problem, right? He heals the son. He, 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 he casts out the demon. He, he cures the leprosy. And every time, he uses that temporary healing of their, their seen, obvious problem to point to something else, right, that's unseen. He also kind of offers an eternal solution to a bigger, their, their biggest problem. Everything Jesus does from now all the way until till, till he dies on a cross points to this. How his upcoming death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead, and that's what Easter is all about next week, how that will forgive our sins and mistakes, permanently reconnect us back to God, and no matter what happens in this life, what do you mean? Our kids get sick, evil attacks our life, and we, go, we, we, we suffer through painful diseases. He says, I'll come and live, I'll not just be with you, I'll live in you. And every time, whether your problems or circumstances get better or get worse or don't change, you can know every time, every day, we can go to God boldly. And this is what Scott talked about last week. We can go to God boldly and we can receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Jesus promised, I'll be in you, I'll take care of you, I promise. Jesus removed anything that could ever try to separate us or keep us away from God. But again, think about every story that you read about Jesus in the Bible. Every person that Jesus temporarily fixed their body or healed their disease or helped or fed or whatever, including the story we're going to look at today, every one of those stories, eventually the person that interacted with Jesus, eventually they got hurt again, right? Or they got sick again, or they got hungry again. And eventually even the bodies that Jesus healed or cured their kids or fixed whatever, eventually all those people died. Not because they... They, didn't, they stopped having faith, you know, or, or because Jesus fixed them and then they did something wrong and God zapped them. It doesn't work that way, all right? No, everybody in the Bible that Jesus healed and, 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 and raised from, even raised from the dead, everybody died because, write this down, because everybody dies. I told you you're smart. Listen, I know, right, right? Every, everybody dies, not because of lack of faith or God's mad at them. They, everybody dies. But every person that Jesus fixed healed, helped, or fed, was given a chance. They didn't all take it, but every time Jesus interacted with somebody that was a temporary problem, he always gave them a chance to look beyond the seen thing that was happening in their life and be given something that was unseen, that would never leave, never run out, never die, and would cause them to be well eternally. And that's what I want to look at today. I I want us to look at two groups of people today. A group of friends, all right, and Jesus, And probably a third, we're going to look at ourselves in the mirror. And the question on the table this morning goes like this. What would a person be willing to do so that someone that they love could get what they need so they could be well? That's what we're going to look at. Now, before we get into this, I got to tell you about the story we're going to tell, right? It's my favorite story in the Bible, all right? I probably say that all the time, but this one really is, okay? I I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite Jesus stories, but this one is up there. If that's a sin, pray for me. I love this. I love this story. As a matter of fact, if you came to church, like I haven't been here since Easter last year, I taught on this last year, okay? And and, and I've been here seven years. I think I've, I've taught on at least once a year. So I really, really, really like this story for several reasons. First of all, I just think it's one of the funniest stories about Jesus in the Bible. You're going, is Jesus funny? Yes, he really, all right. So this story is, you may not agree with me, but you're wrong. So anyway, so it's a really funny story. (laughs) Secondly, it perfectly illustrates everything we've been talking about for the last three weeks, all right? And the other reason is it sets up next weekend perfectly. All right, so hang on to it. We're gonna look at this story. We're, we're in a, if, you're, if you're new around here, we, we're trying to study through the life of Jesus kind of in order, especially those, three, those last three years. We're in chapter two. Whoo, we're flying. Here we go. Mark, Mark chapter two, verse one. It says this. It says, and when he, Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, that's a, a little town in Israel, all right? After some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So Jesus is in this house because there's not church buildings and stuff. He's just over this guy's house and, and everybody finds out he's there and the, the, the building is packed out. They're out the door. They're listening in the windows and things like that. Now, this is why, if you were here last week, if not, go back and listen online. Jesus heals this guy from, from leprosy. Remember that? Do you remember what he told him not to do? He said, don't tell anybody right? Just, I, I healed you. Just go over to the temple. Or like that. Show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anybody. Now he didn't say don't tell anybody because he's like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have healed you. Shh, don't tell anybody. It wasn't that at all. Okay. It's not because Jesus doesn't like to heal people, stuff like that. No. See, Jesus knew what would happen. If this guy who he just healed goes out there and tells everybody, word's going to get out on the street, right? Words can get on the street that, hey, there's this guy, his name's Jesus, and he can fix your problems, and he's in town. And people will be so focused on fix my immediate, painful, temporary circumstance rather than fix my big, eternal problem. And that's what happened, 
right? This guy didn't stay quiet. He went and told a friend. He told a friend. He told it. He got on Facebook. It went crazy, viral. All right, it was, it was all over. The, I made that up. But anyway, big crowds are showing up because the guy who can fix people is in town. The house is packed up, standing room only. People are listening outside. Now that. It sounds like I'm being a little cynical, and I, I, I guess I am, but he, the truth is Jesus can and he does use circumstances and events in our life to get our attention, right? Even launch our faith. We can look back. There's times in our life we had no interest in God, and then there was a car wreck or somebody got cancer, and, and those are the bad things. Or she said, I won't date you unless you go to church, and like, okay, and that started a new journey for us. So bad things and good things. God uses these things, even songs on the radio sometimes, trying to get our, and launch our faith. But Jesus knows. He knows us really well. And he knows that, especially in our scariest, painful, most desperate moments, we tend to get stuck in that, in that circumstance, Right? And, and depending on what Jesus does for us in this circumstance, our faith kind of leans against that. All I can see is my problem. I'll believe if Jesus fixes this the way I told him. And we kind of get, get stuck there. And, and here's what, see, hurting people are really desperate, aren't we? Right? When we're going through really, really, really hard stuff, we get really, really, really desperate. Not only for ourselves and for our own circumstances, but going back to that song that, that, that Randy just sang. We, we get desperate for the people that we love who are going through horrible things. Right? Well, especially, you know, if it's a family member or, or a best friend, I mean, when they're hurting and desperate, we're hurting and desperate for them. And that's what the rest of the story is about. Some desperate people are about to show up at this house and they're going to bring their hurting, desperate friend. I love this story. Here we go. Verse three says, and they came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus, a paralytic, a guy who's paralyzed, carried by four men. And when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, <laughs> they removed the roof above him. And when they'd made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Now, I love this story because I, I love it partly for the spiritual part and partly because it's a great statement about friendship. But more than anything, this is a Saturday night, Saturday night live skit waiting to happen. This is Jesus meets Monty Python. Everybody has British accents in my mind in this story, <laughs> right? And they will from now on for the rest of your life too, all right? So... Now, but here's the thing is, you know, sometimes the Bible doesn't give us a lot of backstory on what was leading up to this stuff. But this is what I do, folks. I sit in my office and I just make it up. I don't change the Bible, I change the meeting. I just give these people stories because then they become so more real to me. So here's the story that happened in gym world. And it's scary in here and it's medicated. So anyway, all right, it really is. But so let's just call this paralyzed guy Joe. Okay, now he's real, okay? So, so Joe, we don't know much about Joe, how old he is, how he got paralyzed, how long he's been paralyzed. We don't know how these five guys all know each other, the four guys that, that brought him. We don't, we don't know, so I, here's what I think. I read a lot of these books. I read army books and stuff like that all the time. So maybe all five, these guys had all gone to war together. Maybe they were fighting in the battle or something like that, and Joe kind of took a bullet, not a bullet, they weren't invented yet, but a, a spear or whatever, and he, and he saved everybody in the foxhole, and now they, these five guys are like a band of brothers, and because Joe kind of laid down his life for us, we're tight for the rest of our lives. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about when I go, we went through something and nobody understands unless you were there, and we're tight for the rest of our lives. Maybe that's their story right there. Maybe, maybe they're more like me back, back in high school. They all chipped in and kind of rented a big stretch chariot for prom, right? And they had too much to drink. I'm not saying I did that, but whatever, all right? But, and, you know, and, and, and maybe they crashed into a, a tree or something like that, and Joe never walked away from it. I don't know. Maybe Joe never walked. Maybe he was born, not able to walk, all right? Maybe Joe fell down the stairs. We don't know. All we know is that Joe's paralyzed. But where we pick up this, the, the story, it goes like this. When Joe's friends find out that there's this Jesus guy who fixes stuff 
and he's in town. What do you mean fix this up? Like, like a couple weeks ago, you know, like that guy works over there in like the police station. His son was sick and Jesus healed him from a distance. And then remember that synagogue last Saturday, there's that, that demon guy, right? And Jesus scared the demon out of him. Remember that? That was, that was so cool. And remember that really gross guy that walked around with leprosy and things falling off. Jesus healed him. All right. And so he's in town. And so when they find that out, they don't waste a section. They don't pray about it or anything else. They go like, just get Joe and let's go. And that's what they, they do. They do. All right. So, so apparently they, and again, this is Jim world right here, but apparently they burst into Joe's house and it says they each like just picked up the bed. He's like, Joe's like, where are we going? It's like, shut up. Here we go. And they're going through town. Joe's like, you're right on to the right. Right. And like, where are we going? We're going to see Jesus. Who's he? Not sure. We, we don't know. We don't know. All we know is that if you stay in this bed and stay in your house, you're going to die there. Right. And so they carry Joe all the way across town. I love this with British accents. They, they really do. And they get to this house and they can't get in. Why? Because it's packed out. It's crowded. They're, people are standing. It's like, we're not letting you in. I don't care if you have a bed with you, whatever. All right? You're not getting in. So what do they do? Well, let's look at this. What, let's go back to the question. What would a person be willing to do so that someone, Joe, that they love could get what they need, Jesus is in that room, so they could be well? And the answer is, whatever it takes. Right? When you're desperate for your friend or your son or your mom or whatever that is, well, I don't care. I, I'm going I'm to figure this out. And that's what they do. We can figure this out. And again, this is, this is me thinking this. I don't know how it went, but I think one of them went, okay, you, grab, you find a ladder. Just find a ladder. You get, get some rope. We'll duct tape Joe to the mattress. Go, and they do that. And then they, they throw Joe up there on the, on the roof. This is so Monty Python, all right? And then they, somebody paces it off and goes, I think Jesus is right here. They kick a hole in the, in, the, in, the, in the ceiling of this place, all right? And then all this stuff falls down. They think Joe, like, do, 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 excuse me. Watch out, watch out there. And Jesus is standing there, got ceiling tile in his hair, like, hey. And the service is over, right? The service is over, all right? And if you're sitting there going, do they do that a lot in the Bible? No. This, this is as weird to everybody in this packed out house as if you go home today and you're having dinner with your family and some friends come over, the ceiling fan falls, and then they lower a paralyzed guy onto your dining room table. It's the same. Okay? They're like, what is it? Somebody call a cop, whatever that is. And Jesus is like, ah, what's on my, you all right? And, and so here goes, and Joe's like, hmm, do, 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 do. hey, Jesus, you know? And they just, lo- they just lower him down there. And then these four guys going, hey, Jesus, up there. And, 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 and I think this is, this is so awesome, all right? It, it really, really is, is awesome. Now, now you got to think, all right? Yeah, again, it, it's over, cops are on the way, but, but, but here's the other part. I think the crowd's getting excited. I do. I think they're like, yeah, this is why we came. I mean, thanks for the sermon, Jesus. We'll file that away. But we came for this. We came to see Jesus do some stuff. We're for the Jesus show. I think there's a guy selling popcorn. I can't prove that, but I think that's, that's what it is. Like, here's the Jesus show. Right there. And it's going to get exciting. Look at this. You guys think this is water. Go ahead. It's all right. <laughs> it is. Anyway, kind of. We have, we have verse five. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, I've been on vacation. All right, verse five. Here we go. And when Jesus saw, what's the next word? Their faith. Now, and I'm thinking, I'm reading this and I kind of go, whose faith? Well, let's just stick to the, stick to the script. What we've covered so far, whose faith? Well, there's these four guys. They hear about Jesus. They, 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 they carry their friend from some unknown distance on his bed. So they, and they, they get there, they can't get in. They vandalize the guy's roof. They're willing to go to jail so that their friend can get in the same room with Jesus. And the thing the Bible says that Jesus saw was their faith. I think he's talking about the four guys on the roof looking through the hole. I really do. All right. I don't think he's talking about the crowd's faith. I don't think the crowd had any faith. I, may, maybe Joe's faith is included in there, but I think it's these five, four guys looking through this hole. And I think Jesus loves this. I think Jesus looks over and goes, this is, you guys did all this, right? You did all this because you think, no, 
you, believe, you have faith that I can fix your friend's biggest problem. That's why you did this, isn't it? And they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He goes, I can. Watch this. Look at the rest of this verse. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to Joe, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. You know what you call that? A disappointing moment. That's what you call that. Right? Have you ever had a balloon and let go of it and it goes, I think that is the sound in the room of all the air leaving the room as people go, seriously? Really? His sins. Did he say that? And I think the four guys on the roof are looking at him going, ah, Mm, no, thank you. <laughs> File that away for 20 or 30 years for, after the funeral. But, but see, Jesus, um, Joe, our friend, his legs don't work. Can you do something right? right can you do him? Can you, can you stick him back on? Can you just fix our friend? And we'll get out of here. You can do whatever you were doing. But we brought our friend and did all this so that you would fix his, his legs. All right. And I think everybody in the room is just really confused and really disappointed. But here's what I think. And I can't, you don't have to agree with me on this, but this is what I think. I think the most disappointed person in the room at this moment is Jesus. And, and here's what I mean by that. See, see, if Jesus really is God with flesh on, right? Then you have to believe that Jesus already knew all about Joe before Joe crashed, literally crashed the party. I know all about Joe. I know, I know, I know about his spine, what happened in there. I I know when it happened. I know that. I know what's really going on, not just with Joe's body, but with Joe. I I, I know what's really going on. And you have to think, all right? And again, I may be wrong and way off on this, but if Joe is anything like me or some of my friends that have gone through really, 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 really hard, confusing, this doesn't make sense and it's not fair situations, for the last several years, I'll bet Joe has been laying in his bed, praying, yelling, screaming, cussing at God, asking, why is this happening to me? And why, why don't you fix things and stuff like that? I think that Joe has been having conversations with God for a long time and that Jesus knows that. I do. If, if Jesus is God, I think he knows that. And that Jesus knew what needed to happen first in Joe's life and in Joe's heart before, or how about this, even if nothing changes in Joe's legs. Right? I think, I think Jesus is going, hey, before we get to the legs, we got to talk about a bigger thing, right? I think he looks at these four heads of this, you know, looking through down at him, kind of disappointed. And he's like, you brought your friend to me so I would fix his body. But whether I do that or not, and everybody's going to agree with this, no matter what you believe about God, you're going to believe this. Whether or not Jesus changes his circumstances, the reality is, is that a year from now or 10 years from now or five minutes from now, Joe's going to have another problem. He's going to fall down some more stairs. On the way home today, he's going to get hit by a camel. I, I don't know. He's going to die. And the question on everybody's mind at the funeral is not going to be, do you think Joe's body works now? Is your biggest request now that Joe can walk or, or even why did this happen? We'll get, you'll have some of those at, at the funeral, but the, the big question that everybody will sit around the dinner table after the funeral, because that's what we do, right? That we'll either ask out loud or ask to ourselves is this, do you think Joe's all right? Do you think he's okay? Do you think he's okay? And however you've answered that in the past or answer, plan on answering it in the future, what are you going to base your answer on? I don't know. I hope so. He's a nice guy. Tried art, whatever. What are you going to base that answer on? See, Joe is laying at the feet of the Son of God, the creator of the universe, including the creator of Joe. Jesus knows all about Joe's problem physically, right? Joe is also six inches away from the one and only who can take away all the condemnation of every sin and mistake he's made and will make in the future. 
The one who can permanently reconnect him back to God, right? No matter if he lives five more minutes or 50 more years. And Jesus is saying, I can fix him. I really can't fix him. I can fix him forever. And all you're asking for is, can I take care of his legs? And there's nothing wrong with that, but is that it? That's all, that's all you want me to do? So that's, I think, some of the unspoken disappointment in the room. There's some other conversations going on in the room as well. Not out loud, but kind of in, everybody's thinking this, all right? Look at verse 6. This is awesome too. Verse six says this. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there and a scribe is this religious leader. They'd kind of pushed into the house, not because they really, we want to learn what Jesus is saying. No, they want to catch him in a lie. So they could say he was a fake, all right? As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, they have a meeting. Listen, how are we going to kill Jesus? It starts early, okay? They want to get rid of him. So these scribes are sitting there like, hmm, okay. So see, these scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts. All right, so Jesus just said, your sins are forgiven. They're sitting there, and this is what they're thinking. That's a question in their hearts is the Bible thing of, here's what they're thinking. And here's what they're thinking, verse 7. Why does this man, why does Jesus speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Let me put that in, in gym language, okay? They're, they're sitting there thinking, why Jesus say that? See, we've, we've read the Bible. The only person who can forgive sins is God. And here's the question, right? Who does Jesus think he is? God Right? And I've said this before. You might want to write this down. This is the best thing I hear in church, all right? Be careful what you think about because Jesus can hear you. (laughs) Right? And that's what he does. Look at verse 8. I love this. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which if I'm those guys that are on the front row questioning things in my heart, I'm like, oh, crap. He knows. You know, la, 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 la. He knows what we're thinking about, right? So be careful, right? Here's what I love about this. Jesus is totally setting these guys up. Right? So I didn't know Jesus was like that. Oh, he is. All right, look at this. Verse 8. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in their spirit, thus questioned themselves, said, why do you question these things in your heart? Here's the question. Which is easier? To say to Joe, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Let me ask you the same question. Don't answer out loud, but which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or get up take up your mat and, and walk home. And let, let me just go ahead and give you the answer. The easiest thing to say is your sins are forgiven. That's easy to say. Your sins are forgiven. Meaning this, I mean, how do you know if it's true or not? If you come up to me in the lobby later and go, hey, Jim, listen, it's been a rough week. All right, I, like I cheated on my wife. I got a DUI. I chopped up the neighbor, fed him to the cat. It was a bad week. All right. <laughs> and my response, my, where does this come from? Well, my response is, don't worry about it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Don't worry about it. All right. And your response, your response back to me is like, well, well, thanks. But then you walk out to your car going, how do I know that's true or not? Who is Jim? Pastor Jim told me I'm forgiven. What authority do I have to say to anybody, you're forgiven or you're fine with God? Who cares what I have to say? What can I back it up with? So let me rephrase the question. Which is the easiest thing to measure if it's true or not or if it happened or not? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take up your mat and walk. And this time the easiest the answer is this. The easiest thing to measure is get up and walk. You know why? Because in about two seconds you know if it worked or not. Right? How, what do you mean? Either Joe gets up and walks out carrying his bed or, or he doesn't. But again, remember the theme that's wound its way through this, all these stories about Jesus. It, it's just this. is that everything that Jesus does on a temporary physical healing level always points to something bigger and eternal that he really came to do. And this is no different. No different at all. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse 10, all right? So which is easier to say, this, this, or this? Verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the way this translates is this. You know, I'm about to do something. 
Smart guys, all right? All questions, all right? I'm about to do something, so pay attention. Because I'm going to do it partly because this guy's legs don't work, all right? But, but more importantly, what I'm going to do is, is hopefully you'll go, well, if he can do that, you'll connect the dots and do some math and think maybe he can do the other one as well, right? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he, Joe, rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, right in front of them, so that they were all amazed by this and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's part of this I don't understand. I'm unclear on when it says that, you know, this amazed everybody and they praise God because of this and we've never seen anything like this before, what is this referring to? You know, and this might be referring to, okay, our friend couldn't walk and Jesus fixed his legs. Yay, God, let's have a parade. Now, now here's, it sounds like I'm being like cynical about that, but that's what I would do, Right? If I was paralyzed or, or, my, or my wife or one of my kids or, or somebody that really, really, my, uh, my, 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 my dearest friends, if they were paralyzed, hadn't walked in 10, 20 years, and then I take him to see this guy and this guy goes, get up. And, then, and Robin and I walk home together. I'm having a parade. Yay, God. All right. Sign me up. I mean, that's really, really cool. So maybe that's what this is referring to. Or maybe this is referring to this. We've never seen or met anybody like Jesus who makes these outrageous claims. Well, we've met a lot of people make outrageous claims. We've never met anybody like Jesus who can actually back them up and do what he said he was going to do. And we saw it. We know Joe. We went to prom with him. We, we know what happened, right? We bring casseroles over to his house. I'm telling you, we know Joe's story. We were in the room. He couldn't walk and Jesus told him to walk and he got up. So we're in. We actually believe that if he can do that, we think he can connect us back to God and forgive our sins. So we believe. Now, which one is it? I don't know. I'd say in a crowd like that and in a crowd like this, probably both. I do know this, and this is just kind of, an, kind of an aha moment for me this week. I've never caught this before, and I've read this story probably hundreds of times in my life. From this point on in the life of Jesus, all the way up till they nail him to a cross, right? But from this point on, the crowds continue to get bigger, all right? But now the people coming to Jesus are not just people who have physical problems. I'm sick, or my kid's sick, or I have leprosy, or I'm blind, or I can't walk. Or they, they keep coming, but now more and more from this point on are people coming to Jesus whose bodies aren't broken. They are. They are. I've messed up my life. I've made some bad decisions. Some people have rolled over me and I can't get get past it, right? We see more and more people coming to Jesus. The organized religion that says, you're not welcome here anymore, right? So they had assumed that God doesn't want them either. But then they heard about this Jesus guy and they walk up to him. And over the next several months, we're going to see a lot of conversations that go kind of like this. I hear you're different than religion. I hear you're different than those guys over there. I, I, I hear that, I actually heard that you, they say you can forgive sins, that you can make things between God and I okay. I heard you accept people like me. So I'm asking maybe, can you fix what's broken? Not in my body, my body's doing okay. Right? Can you fix what's broken in me? Prostitutes, thieves, rejected people start flocking to Jesus from this point on. Because I heard you can fix what's broken inside. So the question of the day goes like this. What would a person be willing to do so that someone that they love could get what they need so they could be well? Well, Jesus would answer it, did answer it this way. He'd say, okay, here, here's what I'd put on the table for the person I love. I would leave heaven 
I would let go of my position of equality with God. That's Philippians chapter two. I would come here. I would serve the person that I love. Like, like I mean, I get on my knees and, and serve the person I love. I would teach the person I love a better way to live. Along the way, I'd be rejected by almost everyone. I'd be stripped naked. I'd be whipped. I'd be beaten. I'd be spit upon. I'd be nailed to a cross and a spear shoved in my chest. Not because I did anything wrong, but to pay for the penalty for any and everything that this person that I love has done wrong or might do wrong in the future. Why? Because if all I did was come and fix his legs or fix his finances, or fixes marriage, it's a matter of time until something else goes wrong. And if I didn't take care of the main thing, sin would still leave them cut off from God. But because I did what I did, from this point on, for the rest of eternity, Joe or whoever else can go boldly right up to the Father and ask whatever they need. And sometimes God will fix and heal and change their circumstances, and sometimes he won't. And a lot of times, we won't understand why he does and doesn't do what he does. But they can know every time, every day, God will give them more than enough mercy and sufficient grace in their greatest time of need. And then Jesus says, and you can trust me on that because I backed it up by rising from the dead. That's what Jesus says. I'll put that on the table to show you how much I'm willing to do for you so you can have what you need to be well. And that's what Easter is all about. But we say we're going to look at the question for two groups of people. And the other group of people would be Joe, Joe's friends. If you were to ask that question to Joe's friends, they'd say, well, here's what we did. We'd do it again if we had to. We would... We would, we love Joe. So we would break down Joe's door. We'd pick him up in his bed and carry him across town. We admit to him that we don't have God all figured out ourselves. We don't have all the answers, but we heard there's this place on the other side of town. And in this place, there's this guy. We don't have this guy, this Jesus guy all figured out. We just really know two things. First, if we don't do something for our friend, he's going to die in his bed. Nothing's going to change. Right? And the second thing is this. We believe that if anyone might be able to do something, Jesus sounds like our only shot, Joe's only shot at having anything change. So because we love Joe and we've already done everything we know to do and we're out of options, how, how about this? We're willing to ask Joe, invite Joe, kidnap Joe, carry Joe, duct tape Joe to his bed, do any and everything, including tearing off the roof and going to jail for Joe to get Joe in the same room with Jesus so he at least has a chance at things changing in his life and, and being well. So here's the third group. And you knew this was coming. Let me ask you the same question. What would you be willing to do so that someone that you love could get what they need so they could be well. Taking this out of the Bible, bring it right to Colorado, okay? What would you be willing to do for someone that you love so they could get what they need so they could be well? And the follow-up is, who is that? Who is that someone that I love who needs something, and I'd say something only Jesus can give them so they, they can be well? Who's that for you? Third question. And this kind of takes a little setup, but hang with it, all right? If Jesus really is who he says he is, the son of God, the one that can connect us back to, to God, right? If Jesus really can do everything he promised to do, come and live in us and give us grace and mercy. And if every time that someone came to or was brought to Jesus, they either got healed physically and or were forgiven of their sins. And if every time Jesus gave everyone who asked him more than enough mercy and grace and strength for whatever it is that they're going through. And if next weekend is Easter and Easter is the one week of the year that if anybody is ever going to say yes to being invited to church, it's Easter. If all of that's true, final question, what are you willing to do to get the person that you love friend, family member, whatever, best friend, whatever that is, what are you willing to do to get that person in this room next weekend where they might bump into Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time and maybe have a chance at being well? We're gonna get more and more and more specific on this. See, well, I don't, I don't know. Is, will you be nice to him? Let, let me just tell you. Let me, I, I'm always nice. All right, let me, let, Scott's the mean one. But the next week, all right, let me tell you exactly what, what I'm gonna talk about, all right? And, and by the way, one of our main values around here is just come and see. 
We don't put up billboards. We don't hang things on people's doorknobs. We don't knock on doors. We don't, you know, go to, or go to, go to whatever. We don't do that, all right? We've all been, had that at our house. We don't want that, all right? Our, our whole philosophy is just come and see and make up your own mind. So let me tell you what you're inviting people to come and see. I'm going to tell the story of a guy who's stuck in a really, 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 really hard life for a long time. And Jesus finds him. And he asks him one question. Do you want to have a whole life? Translate, do you, want, do you want things to get better? Do you want a better life than you currently have? And you know what the man's response is? It's a list of excuses why that hasn't happened in the past and probably won't ever happen in the, in the future, all right? Because nobody will help me and this and what about this and what about this? And Jesus interrupts him in the middle of that and says, okay, would you be willing to take one step and see where it goes, right? And just so you know, the man that Jesus is talking to is not a believer. He has no interest in who Jesus is or interest in Jesus being the son of God. And he's not sitting there in his mess thinking, I wonder if I die, I'll go to heaven or hell. It's not even on his radar. He knows two things. One, my life sucks. And two, I want a better one. That's all I know. That's all I know. I don't have any, I don't have any idea how I'm going to get there. All I know is that this is not working. And so he, he listens to Jesus and he takes a step. And it leads to another and then another and another. So I lied, I have another question, all right? So uh, pray for me. Here's, here's my question, all right? When you came in today, there should have been a white card on your, on your seat, all right? So, oh, I put my gum in it. Right, sorry, get another one or steal someone's, all right? Whatever that is. So, so I want you to get that white card. Don't do anything with it. I'll give you a chance in, at the end to do this. But would you be willing, you don't have to do this, but would you be willing to write the first name or maybe it's several names of the person that you love that is on your mind for the last 10 minutes? Would you be willing to to write their name down. I'm going to do everything I can to get them in this room next weekend. Write it on a card and then put it in the offering as you're on your way out today. Now, here's why I say put it in the offering instead of take it home. First of all, I want you to write it down because if you're anything like me, I have concepts in my, in my mind, I have ideas in my mind and I have good intentions. But when I write down somebody's name, they, oh, that's my, that's my sister. That's my mom. That's my best friend. This person sits next to me in math class. Whatever that is, they become a, a, a real person. So I, I want you to write their name down or their names down. I don't need their story. Here's why. Well, no, no, just their first name. I don't, I don't need to know their story. Jesus knows it and that's enough. All right, so there's that. Here's the second reason I don't want you to take it home. I want you to put it in the bucket is that all week long, we're going to take these cards and I'm going to ask our staff and, and, our, and, and some other leaders in our church. And if you want to do this, just stop by during business hours and stuff. I want, I, I want them to take a handful of cards and just spread out across this room between now and next Saturday and just pray for every person's name on this card individually. Well, actually, so another group. I want them to pray for the name on this card, but also the, you, the person who wrote it down. That, that you'd be given an opportunity and the courage to do whatever you have to do to, to get them here. You say, well, is it, is it going to be good? It, it, it is. We pull out all the stops. On it. The music is awesomer <laughs> than... It's just awesomer. Awesome. All right? But here's the thing. Randy, Randy and I, we, kinda, we're, all right, we, we can't agree. We can't agree on what song we're going to do next week. And so, oh, I have another question. Here, here's what I need you to do, all right? This is easy, all right? And hundreds of people have already done it this weekend, all right? But, hey, before you go to bed tonight, will you get on Facebook, on Flatiron's Facebook, and, and tell us the song that you think would connect, not your favorite song, the, the song that you think would connect best with your friend, and that'll help us decide. For next week, all right? Now, Randy wants to do the who, and I want AWOL Nation, and I'll, I'll win because I'm Pastor Jim. All right, so anyway, um, <laughs> so you just let us know, and that'll help us make a good decision, all right, about what your friends listen to. Now, now please hear me before I, we, we stop, all right? And I'm going to give you time to write this name here in a second, but I am not saying, don't walk out of here saying, Jim's, no. I am not saying that your faith is going to fix your friend. I'm not saying that if you have faith and get your friend in this room, that your faith is going to heal your friend, change your friend's marriage. I'm not, I'm not, or, at all. 
all right? If you go back to the story of this Joe guy, this paralyzed guy, if it's like every other story where Jesus forgives somebody's sins, Jesus knows the backstory on Joe, right? And every person that Jesus forgives their sins, eventually Joe and Jesus are gonna have to work out their stuff. And your friend, this is way above our pay grade, your friend is gonna have to have their own conversation with Jesus in their own time. I do know this though. If those four guys didn't love their friend enough to take a step of faith, Joe would never have been in the room and heard that change and forgiveness was even possible, right? And that's how a lot of us ended up in this room, isn't it? Because somebody loved us enough to risk everything to say, just come and see. And the rest was between us and Jesus. So what if someone in your life needs you to take a step of faith for them? Because they're, they're paralyzed. They, they're out of options. So that they can take their own step of faith next week. Now, if this sounds like a whole setup for Easter, it, I don't want to reduce it down to this. Because the truth is, in a room like this, right now, today, there's a lot of us in this room that kind of got carried here. Because we are so broken and hurting right now. Somebody loved us enough to bring us in this room and say, just come and see for yourself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together and then we're going to give some time to write out a name and pray for that person. And then you're going to put them in the cards and we'll sing some songs. But here's what I want to do. If you're here today and something's broken in your life, paralyzed in your life, just, and you need God to fix it, ask him. Ask him. And I don't, I don't know why God says yes over here and no over here. I don't, I don't have that figured out, so don't ask me that in the lobby, all right? I, I don't know. All I'm saying is asking for whatever it is that you need, and he'll answer it the right way. Just don't stop there. God, whether you fix my legs or not, I need you to fix my heart. Because I, the circumstances of my life are going to crush me if you don't fix me. And if he doesn't fix me, even if he fixes everything else in, in our lives, it's a matter of time, right? Until we fall down some stairs again. Right? So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to pray for the person on this card, and then uh, we're going to worship together, and then we're going to go and ask God to give us an opportunity. So let's pray together. God, I love you so much. God, I, I just come before you on behalf of some people in this room, that, the, the Joes in this room, and all of us, I think, of times of our life have been Joe, locked up, paralyzed, broken, I don't know what to do, screaming, yelling at God, why, I don't understand. But maybe somebody loved us enough to say, just, just come and see for yourself. I, I can't fix you. I can't save you. And it's not Flatterns. It's not Jim. It's not Scott. It's Jesus. And just you guys work out your stuff. And that was the beginning of one step in our life. So if there's anybody here that's hurting God, we just ask you right now to, to fix that broken part of our life. Jump in the middle of our relationships that are dying. Our bodies are physically falling apart. You know, we just need you to, we just ask for healing. But, but whether that comes or not, or regardless of how you answer that prayer, will you please keep your promise to give us grace and mercy in our time of need? And we are in need. So God, just keep your promise to take care of us. And God, I pray for some people that are written on cards right now, are about to be written on cards. I, people that are, are curled up in a ball at home, paralyzed right now. They have no idea that there's hope available. They're convinced because some religion told them that God hates them because they made a mistake back in college and they just haven't been able to get over it. And God, I just pray that you would move heaven and earth and help the people in this room move heaven and earth to get their friend in a room with Jesus to find out that you don't hate them, that you love them and how far you're willing to go to take care of them. God, all we're asking is that they'll say yes to come and see. It's in, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.